Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Good to have you with us, everybody. It is Monday, August 10th, and we're excited to have you here with us. <clears throat> the hot dog days of summer are upon us. Boy, that's the truth. We have now gone right at 40 days without a drop of water here in Central Texas. It is crisp. You walk on the grass out here, and it is it is just dried up. Now, we had all that rain over a Memorial Day, so our reservoirs are the decent size again. But, boy, we're experiencing some hot temperatures all over 100 degrees again, and we're praying for some rain. And may it come soon. But, anyway, it's good to have you join us. Hope the weather is good wherever you're at. Think of our friends out in California. My gosh, you guys are just really in a tough spot with the water, and we're, we're familiar. We can feel your pain. It wasn't that long before we were there, and it feels like we're back there, even though we had that. So I hope you're enjoying your summer, wherever that may be. And so many of you are dialing in still. It amazes me how many people dial in and listen to the broadcast. We appreciate you doing so. Also, many of you listening in, being live, being the computer, get so many emails during the broadcast. And uh, it's really good to have you with us. Thank you for making this a way for which you get information. Again, we are a broadcast created by mortgage professionals and for mortgage professionals. And we're the proud recipient of the Progress and Lending Award. Now, on our website, if you were there recently or saw some of the updates uh, that were going out and the tweets that were going out, we did have plans to have Donna Peoples on the broadcast. And uh, we knew it was going to be tight. She had a flight, but, you know, we had we thought reasonably it was going to be reasonable that we're going to be able to get her on the broadcast without any issues. But I'll be doggone if Delta's uh, delays in their flights, she's in the air right now. So it's difficult to have a guest on the line when they're flying in about 35,000 feet. Now, maybe it won't be that big an issue here in a few years. But, man, right now it is uh, – uh, she is airborne. I got a call from her PR person, Alyssa, and she said, uh, Dave – she can't make it. And uh, so we scrambled and uh, we realized when I was thinking about it on the broadcast, you know, when, you, when you're doing live radio, it's always nimble. So I was thinking, okay, what could we do here? What's the, this creates an opportunity. And so as you, you know, kind of calm down the risk factor, you go, what's out there? And I go, Terry Wakefield. We never got through a fraction of the stuff that Terry Wakefield had. So I scrambled, called Terry and, uh, I think he was relaxed, enjoying a sip of coffee, and I probably added some adrenaline there into Terry's world because I asked him to come back in. I said there was so much we left on the cutting room floor, so to speak. Would love to have you come back, and let's get into it. So we titled this topic today that we're going to be getting into is, again, an innovation update if you look at the website, but this one is innovation in motion. What is going on that is in motion that's innovative? So we've got Terry Wakefield that will be with us here in the Hot Topic segment. Really looking forward to it. This is going to be one of those broadcasts, which is more extemporaneous. We're creating it as it goes. But I tell you, I've got all these notes from what we didn't get to last week. So it is actually a great opportunity uh, to have Terry back. And so he will be in the Hot Topic segment. Then also we have on vacation today, Joe Farr, and he is out as well as Alice Alvey. So it's Andy I, Andy and I, the profit doctor. You know, if you got the Profit Doctor, you got a whole program just to the Profit Doctor. There's so much content in this guy. So anyway. So anyway, innovation today. We're talking with Terry Wakefield. That's the topic again. This is August 10th. Good to have you with us. I want to say again, a special thank you to our sponsors, United Guarantees. They're working on some new ad copy out to me. So I went over and checked out uh, some uh, items on the press releases and some recent news that had gone out. Now, here's an interesting thing. Now, we know that United Guarantee has been the most profitable company in the MI industry for the fourth consecutive year. But I noticed there was a decrease of down to 157 million pre-tax down from 210 the prior year. So that's going to like, well, it's still strongest in the industry, but what was that? Well, it was because of a loan law because of a loss reserve that was in there. And if you look at that, their pre-tax earnings, if you add that back actually increased 19 million for the previous year and it's up 16% compared to the previous prior year. 
And, and it's just really amazing how successful this company is. Also, Donna Peoples was one of the executives that they brought in when to turn that whole United Guarantee situation around. So I'm really excited to have Donna back on the program. I forgot to mention this at the top of the program. Donna will be back with us next week. We rearranged some things so we can have Donna in next week because she has got some amazing things she's working on. And guess what? Terry tells me that some, Terry Wakefield tells me that some of his technology is running in process or running the background. We got to hear about that and his contribution to some of these success stories. You know, when you look at turnaround management, folks, it's always interesting to see who is behind the curtain, who's behind this and the turnaround. So we're going to get some insights into that. Hopefully, Terry will be able to share some confidence. It's not covered out on coffee, so not putting him on the spot. But anyway, good news there. Uh, net premiums for United Guarantee has increased 11% to $277 million. Uh, that's up from the pre, uh, prior year, year over quarter. And then uh, the domestic first lien insurance written was $15.2 billion in principal amounts. That's an increase of 37%. So imagine that. Just some really, really good stuff going on there at uh, United Guarantee. Thank them so much for being a sponsor on the broadcast. And also Velma, they did such an amazing job. They were able to shift and turn with me on the topic. And we got out a, an email blast at with Terry back on and pushing Don out to next week. So it's amazing. I appreciate them so much. You know, when you look at partnering with somebody, especially in this agile market, you really need someone who's nimble and be able to respond as they, these guys said to today, check them out. Velma stands for Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant, and it's Velma.com. And uh, I can't tell you what a great group of folks they are. A number of people uh, asked me, you know, um, you know, where are you speaking, Dave? Oh, one other thing, our contributors. We've got Allison Joe, not here with us today, but we also have Andy Shell, And we also have uh, Sam Garcia. Really love having Sam on. And guess who also is here? Paul Molo. I always love getting both the comments from both Sam and Paul and what's going on out there in the, the place. And they have a unique perspective. It's like two eyes in your head. They're both looking out at the market, but they add depth of field because of the two perspectives. And it's not on the same stories. They, they, we purposely keep them covering different ground. They do a great job. So we're going to have Paul on here in a minute, then followed up by our good friend, Sam Garcia. So let's see here. Quick update. Uh, several people said, Dave, I know you do, do a lot of public speaking. Where will you be speaking? I will be speaking at the DNH Connections Conference. That's in San Diego. That's the first week in September. Love to see you out there if you're one of their, that's their users conference. I'll also be speaking at the Motivity Users Conference in the middle part of September. I'll get you those dates on the next broadcast. Also, I'm speaking at, uh, I've got one of the general sessions and then a breakout session at the New England Mortgage Banking Conference. That is the N, yeah, let's see what N E M B C. So Google, if you want to see it, get the information, put N as in New England, just the initials for the New England Mortgage Bankers Conference. It is uh that is going to be on the dates of September 16th through the 18th in Newport, Rhode Island. Really looking forward to talking about that. And have invited my good friend Toby Harris to join me on one of the backout breakout sections and um, to talk about some innovative stuff. And then also we have with us joining us on that broadcast, Laura of, uh, gosh, I'm having a mental break. Laura, sorry about that. I'll bring your name up and we'll say who's joining us on the panel. So I should have written that name down in my notes here. But anyway, it's going to be a great panel discussion. We're talking about how to connect with the next generation. How do we connect with this? And then at the general session, I'm speaking on and how to connect with a broader audience in a contracting market. So uh, if rates keep falling, though, it may not be much of a contracting market. So without further ado... Let's get on and talk and get an update of what's going on in the financial markets. Now, normally I would toss the mic to my good friend, Joe Farr, but he is out. So let's take a look at the market. I got their screen up here right now. If I look at the 30 year, three and a half, it is actually down just right now where that's looking at uh, just below eight, around nine, 10, eight, uh, nine, 10, seconds uh, negative. So interest rates are on the rise today. What is driving this? Uh, today, there's not any economic data driving it. But last week, there were several interesting things. There was a fair amount of uh, major economic events that happened last week, but it was mostly fairly quiet. The most significant reaction to the market was had to do with Dennis Lockhart, who is the Federal Reserve Chairman for the Atlanta District. He said that, that he is going to be voting for and pushing for a rate hike, a Fed funds rate hike in September. That probably was the most significant soundbite that had more of a rippling effect. Now, it had a rippling effect at the middle part of the a month, a week last week, and then things settled down. And actually, we saw the Freddie Mac rate survey again, but I think it's now for three weeks in a row, it has been dropping. 
And so uh, many of you know, I do a, a, a video every day. It's called Today's Mortgage Minute. You go check it out, www.todaysmortgagebinute.com. It's consumer facing. It's on 120 radio, television, newspaper websites. We get about 8 million to 16 million uh, loads of that video every month. It's just amazing. And I'm talking a lot about this thing, but that, you know, if you look at the rates overall, we had a rise in the middle of the month, but you know, overall trend is still to lower ground. The ISM services and non-farm payroll numbers, you know, basically came in pretty close to expectation. No, nothing really so far that was surprising. The economy is really not underperforming, is what Joe's note says here. The ISM services index on Wednesday, Wednesday exceeded expectation, rose to the highest level since 2005. Then the employment number, the non-farm payroll numbers, as I said earlier. Um, Real, you know, met expectations at 215,000 uh, net new jobs. So the unemployment remained unchanged at 5.3. Overall, we look at wage growth. That was really kind of disappointing at 0.2 tenths of 1%. Um, it, it, Joe says not disappointing, but we certainly would like to see a lot more growth in that number. So you look at it from what had, had the impact on mortgage rates. Again, overall net mortgage rates fell, except for a little pop in the middle of the week because of our good friend, Dennis Lockhart. Well, he's not a, with someone we He's with the Federal Reserve. I say that uh, with all due respect. Anyway, this week, what do we got on the calendar? First, on Wednesday, we've got the JOLTS report. Stands for the Job Opening and Labor Turnover Survey. Very comprehensive report. Janet Yellen pays close attention to this. Joe says it's my favorite report. Well, it's only because it's one that Janet Yellen looks at regularly. So the Job Opening and Labor Turnover Survey on Wednesday. Then on Thursday, we have the Retail Sales Report. You know, after week number last month, a pretty uh, this, this could be a pretty big increase is expected. Um, we'll see if that happens. Uh, there's been a lot of mixed week to mixed economic data. So we'll see what happens there. Finally, then on Friday, we've got the industrial production, uh, numbers coming out. That'll be the big stuff that we'll be listening to. Of course, any fed governor speak, it trumps everything that we're going to be hearing or seeing. And we, that's why you need to have a service like what's up here with MBS quote line. It's a great service. Check it out. www.mbsquoteline.com. www.mbsquoteline.com. Or you can email Joe at joe.far, Joe, F-A-R-R, at MBS Quote Line. Or give him a call, 512-637-1763. Folks, it's good to be with, have you with us. We're going to be right back after this brief break. Looking for that competitive edge? MBS Quote Line delivers live market coverage for originators. Get up-to-the-minute mortgage market news and analysis as events occur. Get MBS prices as trades happen. Straight to your computer, email, cell phone, or PDA. Know in advance when your investors will reprice. Make better lock float decisions and increase your income. Be the expert your clients expect and know what's moving interest rates right now, tomorrow, and beyond. MBS Quote Line, delivering live market coverage for originators. Learn more about MBS Quote Line today at MBS mbsquoteline.com mbsquoteline.com 646-716-4972 the Lickin' on lending show is back here is your host david Lickin. good to have you with us everybody andy just texted me and said hey dave you were cutting out a little bit at least on my end so let's get paul on here see paul you double as you not only that you know, when I don't have that lot of feedback, we get to hear from you. So how is it sounding on your end? We're trying well, equipment. I hate to break it to you, but uh, it's breaking up. Um, ah, so I'm switching headphones here. And I'm gonna, while you're, I'm switching mics as you go through and give us an update. I've got your sure. website up here. So run through the stories as I switch out here, my friend. Well, yeah, I just hope it's not breaking up uh, on the other end when people hear me. But anyway, here it goes. Uh, no, it's listen, uh, come through loudly. Oh, good. All right. Listen, we, you know, we crunch the numbers every quarter inside Mortgage Finance has uh, uh, our exclusive surveys and, and crunching of data and all that sort of neat stuff. Uh, jumbo production, second quarter, nice quarter, $93 billion in jumbo loans were produced. That's a 33% uh, sequ uh, sequential increase, meaning from 1Q. Uh, halfway through the year, originations in jumbos are um, was $163 billion. That's a nice 58% increase from uh, the midpoint, the halfway point in 2014. Listen, I think a lot of lenders are co comfortable with jumbo underwriting. Uh, the banks, as everyone knows, are putting this stuff on their books. Uh, more people starting to securitize it once again. You know, it looks like, a, you know, how can you go wrong with jumbos today? So, um, yeah. you know, even, you know, and listen, you, I think you talked maybe a little bit about home prices earlier. Uh, well, I heard something on the radio on the way into work. I mean, there's, there's real concerns about home prices going up for the simple reason, 
you know, building is just way down, and it's never recovered from the, from the dark days. And you know, builders didn't want to over you know overproduce and, and be stuck with a bunch of homes. And now you have a housing shortage in in a lot of key markets, and it's just you know it's causing prices to go up, which means you know jumbo mortgage amounts are going up, and there's more jumbos out there. So that that was our lead story. Uh, Walter's earnings came out. Um, I'm not sure what to make of Walter. I won't go into it too much. They had a $38 million loss. They took a big impairment charge on their reverse business. Uh, you know, this is one of those stocks, you know, analysts aren't sure which way it's going to go. Uh, the stock was not hit very hard on its uh, on its losses, so I think a lot of it was baked into the number. I think it's one of those stocks that, you know, people have an open mind about and, uh I think they still need to tell their story about where they're headed in the future. So uh, that that's a company to keep uh, keep an eye on. Uh, non-bank lender Loan Depot. Uh, this is, I guess, is Tony Shea shop. Uh, they rolled out a, a second lien product. I can't think of. I don't know if I can think of any A paper non banks that are making second liens. We have Citadel Servicing Dan Pearl Shop making uh, subprime second liens. They rolled it out a month ago or whatever. You know, but very few shops come to mind. So here's a non bank rolling out a second lien. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if other non banks follow their lead. Uh, Altasauce Asset Management. There's a couple Altasauce companies. This is basically. It's called Altasource Asset Management Corp. I think the stock symbol, I think it's AAMC. There's a few of these Altasource entities. This is the one that's basically a management firm to uh, Resi, uh, the Altasource company, uh, Altasource Residential Corp. I think the stock symbol on that one is Resi, R-E-S-I. And basically, you know, uh, their earnings went up pretty nicely, but, you know, their revenue slipping and and, and their stock is you know, been clobbered. It was getting clobbered today. Let oh, me man. just point this out. You know, the stock is, um, I think its share price was down, let me think, uh, at press time $114. Now, that may seem like a lot of money, but it's all its 52-week high is $767, and its all-time high is $1,179, and today's price is a mere $114. I wouldn't want to be an investor in that company. Ugly. Uh, M&T, uh, this is a, sort of a leftover story from last week. They're in talks with FHA to settle uh, some allegations concerning FHA loans that were sold to Fannie and Freddie. Uh, that's a story we'll be keeping in mind um, in our pile for this week uh, as we do an update. George Brooks worked on that one. And in our short take section, a real quick uh, you know, uh, rumination, whether other non-banks will follow the lead of a loan depot into HELOC land. Uh, I mentioned, I think, PHH and Quicken earlier. There's a bunch of them out there. It'll be interesting to see what they do. The other thing, with with seconds coming out, will these be part of 801010 structures, a product that uh, competes against mortgage insurance? Will it mean anything to the big MI companies? Uh, I'm not sure yet. This, you know, We'll see what kind of volumes come up. Uh, and that's sort of uh, the long and short of it all for today. For today, lots of good information, and uh, I'm, I'm always impressed at how you are tracking all of these stories. And you know, give us, give our listeners a little. You, you got how many reporters that are working there? You know, you guys are reporter. How are you for you? What's the proper editor? I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know what. We're we're editor slash reporters. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, we you know one thing about inside mortgage finance, uh, which. Um, you know, I joined almost three years ago and started their web daily. Uh, you know, we're we're uh, an organization where you know reporters and you know it's not an editor's newspaper. Meaning, you know, we no. we get a good scoop, we run with it. Our copy is not massaged by a bunch of editors who question every little thing. I don't mean to say that we don't have good due diligence on what we do. We do. But, you know, it's basically for reporters who like to break stories and, and not, like, do these th- thumbsucker second-day stories at some periodicals, um, right. you know, invest. In. And, we, you know, we have great data, and our data feeds a lot of our stories. And, you know, we just have a good crew here that knows their beats pretty well, and we get a lot of stuff ahead of other people, and that's you know, sort of how it is, I guess. And I think that's the key. You get a lot of stuff between before other people, and because of the efficient way in which you do your background check, you're very cautious. You know, when you did the story on – me breaking away, you called Chuck and did your work on it. I mean, you really do take the time to make sure what you're getting out is correct. I mean, that doesn't mean everybody has to 
publish a correction now and then. But more, I was asking more, some people, some of our listeners were asking, say, you know, really love Paul's segment. You know, what is he doing now? What do they do? Are they, how do they fit in this whole landscape? And I go, just start reading it, start paying attention to it. So it's good stuff, though. You, you really do a great job. So be sure to greet, Thank you, you. Know, everyone around there, Brandon, and, and, of course, you know, the, the whole group. You've got George and... Um, Oh, George and John, uh, we have we have a George, John, uh, and a Paul here. We're just missing the Ringo. You're just missing the Ringo. <laughs> well, I tell you, you do a great job out there. You're rock stars as far as we're concerned, and we appreciate you being on your oh, end. And Dublin the sound engineer giving us some feedback on all this stuff, working with the equipment. So anyway, uh, we're doing a series on innovation. Uh, someone just sent me, said, Dave, doing a series on innovation. Ask Paul this. What does he see? innovatively happening in the, 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 the space you fill. Is this going to be all digital? Is paper going away? Uh, any thoughts on what you see as anything innovative happening in the world of, I mean, I guess you're doing what you used to do, a lot of paper and print and that, and you're, you're totally over into the blog, blog space or you know, everything online. Your, your thoughts on what's innovative, what we can expect with innovation in what you do? <sighs> You know, that's a t- you know, as far as you know, paperless mortgages. You know, I, I did. He did not prepare for that. He, I just literally he, sprung that on. So, so yeah, know. that no, that's okay. I, I, you know, I don't know. Listen, media is going the way. You know, papers going the way of the dodo bird. Uh, you know, we we're 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 digital. Uh, I know Sam, um, whose website I, I yep. uh, look at some time to time. He's he does a good job. He's digital. Uh, you know, no one is you know paper. But you know, there are some. There actually, there's there's so little paper these days that you know we're actually our print editions gets you know still a pretty good audience. We're digital and print, and some people you know cling on to the print because they've they've they decimated it so many print periodicals that some people are like well you know print is sort of special again because there's so few of it out there. Yeah. Uh, but you know, listen, nothing beats the internet. We can break a story yeah. right away because it's on the net and you're there. Uh, but it's as far as wire, uh, digital stuff and digital mortgages and paperless mortgages, um, you know, I've actually covered technology on and off for years, and you know, I I can't figure out the whole digital thing, meaning in the sense that, you know, when when you finally have a digital mortgage, you know, will it really, will it really be cheaper to the uh, lender as far as cost savings? I mean, I you know. Paper costs a lot of money, but you know, digital ain't cheap. Keep in mind, there's software programmers, and they're not minimum wage employees. I often wonder, you know, if you look at uh, how much the industry spends on on software programmers, uh, to see, you know, what that nut is every year would be sort of fascinating to me. What we're paying, you know, software designers, software code writers. Uh, you know, each year and, and compared from year to year, I I can't really? imagine that 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 cost is going to be going down anytime soon. So, you know, okay, digital this, digital that, but you know, what's the cost of the industry? Is you know, when when do they finally see that cost savings? That's how I'd I'd approach that that whole topic, and it's not something I'm I'm ready to do myself right now, but uh, that's sort of a new new twist on it. Well, you may want to listen. We've got Terry Wakefield on in the Hot Topic segment, and that's what we have him back for is to talk about some of the innovative things of driving, I mean, just crushing costs. We are watching costs on the on the compliance side go up, no question, and he's got sure. some great statistics on that. But it, there's ways to drive costs down, and so that's what we're talking about in the Hot Topic segment, Paul. So listen yeah. in. You can report it, and if, if you want Terry's comp- information, get the word out. He's doing some really innovative things and some things – that I think should be catching some press from anybody or somebody, and you're the guy to do it. So good to have you with us, my friend. Appreciate you. Thank you. I look forward to having you back next week. Enjoy the hot days of summer, my friend. (laughs) Take care. Bye-bye. Well, we've got Alice out, as I said. She's uh, on a family vacation, enjoying her time, and she's got some wonderful family. I mean, that's some people talk about they, you know, their families, and you know, this got them spread on. I'll tell you, Alice Alvey's really blessed. She has a real, real tight family network, and they are musical as anything. And of course, I'm a music major, so I love uh, getting around them and their family. Met some of them, but they're they're all together, and sorry to have her. But we are going to move right into Sam Garcia. Sam, uh, Paul said some nice things about you there. It was fun to see and listen to. Very complimentary, and uh, good to have you with us, my friend. Hey, thank you for having me. Of course, I always mean something when Paul said something good about you, but uh, it's always good to be on your show, and darn, it's hot, man. It's like uh, I wish this <laughs> thing would go away. <laughs> I, had, I had some family in from out of town, and they just couldn't take it. You know, they're used to the California weather, but uh, do what yeah. you got to do, you know? 
cool. Well, uh, we uh, we put out our mortgage market index, of course, each week based on uh, rate lock averages by open close, and the index was up nine percent last week. And behind that was a refinance activity, which was up by nearly a quarter. So that was kind of reflecting some decreases we've seen recently in interest rates, though, of course, today doesn't look quite as good. But in general, uh, the mortgage market index has tracked a couple of weeks in a row now of uh, falling rates. So always good for our business if we can get a little more volume out there. Um, you mentioned the jobs report that came out. And, of course, we uh, cover that, but we, of course, focus on the mortgage industry. And based on the Bureau of Labor Statistics data, uh, the number of mortgage jobs, non-bank mortgage jobs, should I say, was 293,500 for June. Um, what's significant about that is that was the most uh, people in the business since 2013. So we've seen an uptick in employment for the industry. Now, you know, as we know, as you know, we do the uh, estimate of the total industry, including right. bank jobs and credit union jobs. Uh, that came out to 561,900 uh, based on our market share data for originations. And that included uh, 217,500 estimated mortgage jobs at banks and another 51,000 at credit unions. Um, moving on to Jenny May, we covered Jenny May's issuance uh, for July and Jenny reported $47 billion in MBS issuance for July. And I, we got a hold of a uh, spokeswoman, and she confirmed that was the biggest month on record for the company. Big month for Jenny. Um, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac recently reported their quarterly earnings. And what I pulled out of that was that uh, the total profits that taxpayers have uh, received from the two companies, and this would be the dividends they've paid to the uh, U.S. Department of the Treasury, less the draws they took, was $52 billion. That's, that's $52 billion in U.S. taxpayer profits from the GSEs. Uh, they had a pretty good quarter. So uh, um, anyway, uh, moving on to the credit index that the Mortgage Bankers Association reports, it increased 3% almost in uh, between July and uh, or June and July. And uh, the report indicated that the improvement was driven by high balance loans, but always good to hear when credit loosens a little bit, and that was an improvement, though, of course, it's nowhere near where it was pre-crisis. Consumer bankruptcies, uh, they came in at uh, past 69,000 uh, bankruptcy filings in July. Uh, that was a little worse than the month earlier, but the filings were down from 74,000 a year earlier. Um, the former owner of Trust One Mortgage, we, we uh, pled guilty to warehouse line fraud last week, and uh, that particular crime uh, allegedly cost National City Bank, who was their warehouse lender, about $13 million, and of course that's PNC now. Uh, but uh, we got that announcement, of course, from the Department of Justice. Um, the, the Federal Reserve Board put out its July 2015 Senior Loan Officer Opinion Survey, and one thing that was really interesting there was that uh, the report indicated that bank lending standards are in easing on loans that meet the qualified mortgage classification but are not agency eligible, and that was especially true at the larger banks. And then one last thing I wanted to mention was that uh, CIT uh, announced that it completed its acquisition of One West last week. Um, and oh, I did not. I missed that. That's good. That's good. That's a good headliner. That's that's. Yeah, good. and uh, and you know, for those who don't remember, One West was actually created to buy the assets of yeah. the failed IndyMac Bank, which yeah. of course was a big non-conforming limiter uh, uh, back yeah. before the crisis. And another thing about that is that the CEO of uh, CIT is the former CEO of Merrill Lynch before it was acquired by Bank of America. So it'll be interesting to see what this company does with this acquisition and if they become a, a big residential player. It'll be really interesting. That's significant. Thank you so much for calling that to our attention. That's really good. Sam, really appreciate you, man, dialing in. And, again, kudos to you for doing a great job uh, and really getting some great information out to to your subscribers. And I recommend you uh, to everyone that I talk to. And it's, uh, folks, if you want to learn more, get to the website, www.mortgagedaily.com. Or you can, of course, call Sam at 214-521-1300. Sam, great to talk with you and visit with you. Always fun to have you on. And like you always help me stay up in the things I might be missing. And there's a lot going on out there. So thank you so much. Appreciate it. I appreciate being able to contribute to this great show. Thanks, David. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. It's fun to have you, friend. 
All right, well, let's move over to the prophet doctor. He uh, never lacks for any wisdom and uh, always look for his insights, and I'm excited to have him joining us. And <laughs> feeling lonely, Andy, it's just <laughs> the two of us uh, you know, with, with uh, Alice and Joe out. It's, it's just one of those things. So, yes, thanks for your text also. I switched mics. Hopefully this one's coming through without any breakups. So. Well, you're not digitizing, but you're not loud enough. So oh, uh, at least well. this way we can hear you. We just have to pay attention. Well, I'll just turn the mic up a little bit. Hopefully that'll help it a little bit. So anyway. Well, in preparation of talking to Terry today and having him back, which I think is a great idea. I've I've been I've been talking to several clients about this issue actually and um you know when we look at a manufacturing operation like a like a uh automobile factory, they've got they've got robots that are that are perfect. They they do their task once. They do it right the first time, and they're interchangeable. They're fungible. You can move one and have it do other things. You just got to change the programming. Use technology to control what it does. And obviously, in mortgage banking, we don't have robots. We get to work with people, and we get to have all the dynamics that come along with having people. But but still, we've <laughs> got to many. get to the place. Yeah, but still, we've got to get to the place where we do it once. We want our staff to do their job one time for each function. So for each step of the processing function, we want for that person to do that task once, and we want for them to do it right the first time. So when they do do their tasks once, they do it right the first time. And then we also would like for our staff to be cross-trained, and Terry talked about this last week. We want for the staff to be cross-trained so they become uh, fungible, interchangeable parts. And we can, again, Tie this back to technology, because here's the real key that I've been dealing with many of our clients facing technology ROI assessments, because we're looking for margin. We want to be able to do more with less and spend less when possible. So when we use technology to make it so that as we go through the mortgage manufacturing process, we we, we do it once, touch it once, and do it right and done. And we make it so that teams are cross-trained. Well, the cool thing that technology can bring, and we've got a long ways to go, frankly, but what we need is our technology to make it so that there are um, support for activities, where every activity is measured and monitored and tracked and presented like a task list. You know, a, a pilot, when they, even a pilot with 30 years' experience, when they take off or land, they use a checklist. Even though they've done it all this time and can probably do it with their eyes closed and never yeah. miss a step, you still always use your checklist. And that's the same thing we need to bring into processing. We need our, our technology to identify what needs to be done needs to be done next, list out the tasks, and then provide a check mark to say, okay, you've got to do these five things. Check, 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 and then alert. Oh, you got to do this. You forgot about that. And then by making it so that the technology becomes a – more robust infrastructure in terms of task tracking for mortgage banking. It makes it so that uh, someone who's who's knowledgeable of the industry will be able to support one function over the other. So if you don't have to know everything about processing, you just have to be able to read the computer, someone from closing could help in processing to send out a request to a consumer or receive a request for a consumer or, you know, we always have the python swallowing the pig issue with yes. mortgage banking. So we got this big push at the end, end of the month. Well, again, if we had very robust technology that showed the closers every step that has to be done, very uh, task-driven so that you're reading a screen and doing what it says, a processor could help with um, closing, a little bit of training, make sure they understand what's happening. But it makes the training better, which creates the fungible, interchangeable staff. So this is where I think we need to get to with technology, and this is the kind of the evolution of technology is it's not just, you know, capturing the borrower data and printing a bunch of docs. It's actually task tracking and making it so that it moves the file through the system most efficiently. So anyway, that's a segue into what I think we can cover more with Terry. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's very good. You do a lot of assessment of companies, and I change the volume. So tell me if I start peaking again, Andy. But uh, we do a lot. We, you do a lot of assessment in helping companies work through what is the the right 
service products to use out there. There's still uh, there's still more vendors than I, than I realize out there. You told me the latest updated number, and it's, it's, it's a lot more than I than I realize. So you're helping a lot of people work through a lot of those issues, and uh, I think people need to know that if you're looking to have someone work through that, what's what's the right system for you? Uh, Andy and Teresa and the group there at MBS do a great job on that. I encourage you to check it out. So get a hold of Andy Shell. You can reach him at what's the best number to reach? What, what number do you want them to call you at, Andy? Well, they call the the our main number, the or my my direct line, the five one two five zero one two eight one two, or Andy at MBS team dot com. Yeah. Now, we're so currently working so. with a bank to find a, a system that does mortgage, commercial uh, commercial lending, consumer lending, and mortgage servicing. We've got actually wow. several of them on the on the plate right now, and there's a lot to this. There's a lot to the steps. It's not one size one size fits all. It's finding the best fit for the workflow and risk perspective of the client. There's not one size that fits all. Isn't that old saying so true here, isn't it? So, so well, I'm true. sure the well, technology providers would argue they would say that their system oh, works yeah. for everybody, but that's not the case. I used, I used to I used to sell some of those systems. I remember those days. So yeah, you'd argue that, but no, that's why you need someone third party to help with through that. Well, without further ado, I want to get into having our conversation with Terry. I'm looking at the clock, man. How the time flies. Appreciate you, our our listeners, being here with us. Welcome back to the program, Terry Wakefield. Again, I'm so appreciative to you, Terry, for. You know, thinking you're going to have a relaxing Monday and then me carving out a whole hour right out of the middle of your day. And I just want to say how grateful I am for you joining us on such short notice. Good to have you back, my friend. Uh, great to talk to you, Dave. By the way, I was just on my way to the golf course when you called, so you blew my golf game this afternoon. <laughs> so, so I owe you a tea time. Okay. So your green fees for the day, I'll have to reimburse you for it. Well, anyway. Right, right. I, you know, that, that's a joke because I know how hard you're working. And uh, I want to get back to something. I titled this broadcast. <laughs> we scrambled to put something together here. But I really, the thing that we had left and I'm not did not get covered last week is the innovation that you are advising that's in motion. So we put innovation in motion uh, with you in part two is the way we titled this broadcast. Tell us some of the things, I mean, Andy and, and uh, Teresa at MBS and, and their team really do a good job of assessing what's out there. Let's start there. What is your thoughts on the current field of vendors out there in this and i mean i'm not looking we're not trying to run anyone down or lift anyone up and i mean but just generally speaking but you you could be as specific as you want to be on this but i'd be really interested in hearing what your thoughts are on where the field is and what do you anticipate changes there doesn't and i want to leave with that by saying there's not a lot of innovation they've all been reacting to the all the regulatory environment so innovation seems to have taken a back seat so your thoughts um, okay, well, again, I, I don't like to make a career of calling people's baby ugly, but um, the... There's a lot of ugly babies out there right now, though. There's a lot of ugly babies. And, you know, um, th there's a lot of reasons why traditional LOS architecture continues to be pervasive. And um, one of the uh, causes of that, I think it's something that people are comfortable with. I don't think they're satisfied with it, but at least they're comfortable and they know they can't get fired if they, you know, become a customer of Ellie Mae or uh, Black Knight. Um, yep. But those those platforms, while they do do certain things really well, they they don't address the fundamental problem in the mortgage space, and that is that humans continue to orchestrate work. I and mean, we touched on this uh, last week, but. We have been in 37 different loan production environments in recent years, and what's what's really scary is that if you have 200 people in your loan production environment, you're going to have 200 different processes, all of which are non-documented, they're not sanctioned by management, and it's because humans are creating these workarounds which take the form of post-it notes on your computer screen or a, a notebook in your desk drawer. And this is why cost and compliance issues are really escalating to a pretty serious level. And you need technology in place that is going to, uh, as, as Andy referred to earlier, take a set of well-documented, optimized tasks 
and make sure your systems are allowing systems to orchestrate those tasks, not right. humans. Yeah. And it's, it's, it sounds very strange and very peculiar when you talk about the mortgage industry, but it's, it's happening everywhere else. It is. And, you know, you, last week I talked about costs going up 240% since 2004. I mean, it's just, you, you can't survive in other industries if you allow that type of cost escalation to occur. Well, and it also creates an opportunity for someone to figure it out and come in and offer the cost at a much lower price. So if, if someone gets it right and they drastically undercut the current operating costs of the rest of the, the world, it creates a really unlevel playing field, and all of a sudden things start changing and everyone's going to be interested in this. And I think it's really you know, uh, an opportunity for us to dive into this bigger in a bigger way. And one of the things, one of the listeners said, Dave, I had a question I would love to have you had to ask Terry when he was on the broadcast. And the, the question was this. Terry mentioned that he was, he saw in a, um, in, in going to a factory, all these machines that are out there. I mean, there's machines, uh, robots everywhere, not as many people. Does Terry see that we are going to be replaced in the industry? Does robots going to replace us? And I said, I don't think that's what Terry was. That was that was not the draw. It was how we organize our work, how we go about our work is what the case. So to those that, you know, that might be seeing that are we, are we just going to have robots in here setting up machines? Is, is this all going to get automated? I don't suspect that's the answer, but it may be shifting who is doing the work. Is that a better way to look at it? Uh, exactly. And, and, and let me, you know, People are always worried about losing their jobs when you know change is around the corner. And right. you know, I, I tend to look at it the other way. I tend to look at it, hey, you can now do double the volume with the same number of people. So there's a positive yeah. spin to this, as well as this natural defensiveness that people have that they're going to lose their jobs. But let me just give you a couple of statistics. So I mentioned that you know we do analysis of loan production environments. And every time we do this, we store the output in what we call the Implore database, which I was able to show you last week. Yes. So, um, talk about that too. yeah. So let, let's let me give you a couple of statistics. When we analyze a current loan production environment, we find that somewhere between 30 and 35 percent of total cost is related to communications, both internal and external. Okay, so that's 30 to 35 percent. We also find that somewhere between 20 and 25% of the cost is associated with non-value-added tasks, that is, redundant processing. And when we complete an OPTS, which I referred to last week on the broadcast, we are able to get communication costs down to 2 to 3% of total cost and the non-value-added activities to under 1%. So, when you talk about moving from 30 or from 50 wow. to 60 percent, down to three or four percent of cost, it, it, it's real. Yeah, I mean there is software that will automate communications today. <clears throat> it will automate the communications and accommodate social media channels like Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and um, all of this can be automated so that messages are continually triggered. To both your internal associates as well as the external constituents involved in a low level basis and it's real i mean nobody can dispute yeah. that no I, anyone who looks and does any you know introspection on what their processes are you know they're going to find this but you have a system implore is the name of it that you had you showed me last week after our, after the broadcast listeners i was blown away with what Terry has developed and what this can do, and that we're not advertising this, we're not, you know, we don't have any business relationship. I, I was just genuinely excited about this, how we need to go in and measure things. If, if you're able to, without giving away any trade secrets or anything like that, Terry, but tell us, how would you articulate what that system does? It was brilliant, the cost savings and how you quickly identified it and how micro you got. You, it really was exhaustive in how you... Looked at all the the whole every everything up and down the whole food chain or the process chain. Well, so the whole the whole purpose of Implore is to provide production management 
and production supervisors with the real-time ability to create operational scenarios. And there are probably a half a dozen key metrics in Implore that you can change anytime you want and get an instantaneous report or output on how that change is going to impact your direct labor cost per log. And <clears throat> I mentioned last week that you know the industry average today, according to the MBA quarterly performance report, is right around $2,800. Well, using Implore and the OPTS, which I mentioned last week, we're able to get that cost down to somewhere between $550 and $700 per loan. So that, that is a massive savings. And when you're doing 50,000 loans a year, that's reducing your cost by a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars alone that's fifty to seventy five million dollars yeah and I think that's why it there i want under i want every business owner listening to this podcast or every loan originator listening to this podcast to forward this podcast to their business owner and um the executives on there because this is significant i'm I'm hogging the mic because i want I could just feel I, Andy has a text of me. But I want to jump in here and get the mic over to him so he gets a chance to get into the discussion. Uh, is this, Andy, this is really interesting. I mean, because someone's going to do it. Someone's going to crack the code. Someone's going to figure it out. And what I'm seeing, what Terry has, and what he showed me last week, he is, he's got the tools to help people see it. I'm excited. No, I know you exactly had some right. thoughts and follow-on, so go for it. Well, this is, this is the underpinning of what I described during my segment. I mean, Terry's dynamic architecture can be applied to do what I said it needs to do in order to make it so you touch it once, do it right the first time, and create fungible employees. I mean, it, it's it's so obvious the importance of having this kind of a technology infrastructure in mortgage banking, and it substantially doesn't exist today. So it's, it's not like we're about to crack the code. Terry's cracked the code. This is exactly yeah. what we need to do. So. I'm not sure how to turn that into a question, Terry, but I mean, how would you explain Well, let's, let's, let's talk about that for a minute, uh, Andy. Um, so one of the barriers to change in the mortgage industry, you know, you have to deal with the human component. I mean, people are important. They're valuable. I mean, you can't run a business without them. Having said that, um, it's amazing to me how people with functional titles in the mortgage space, like processors, underwriters, closers, consider their functions to be like synchrosync. And it's almost like there is nobody else that can do my job. Well, that is not the case. And as you mentioned earlier, the ability to cross-train your workforce so that tasks can be distributed to workers as tasks need to be performed, as opposed to dealing with functional bottlenecks is a real change in perspective in this business. And, you know, you can't ignore the human dimension of any business or any industry. But, and, and, and what complicates matters is many times humans are resistant to change. Well, if they sit, you know, sat back and understood the impact that, that this kind of change could have on their organization, uh, they'd... Um, take a different perspective, but it's tough to do. And, you know, people are always, like I said, concerned about their, their jobs and their earnings and that's very natural. But I, I think it's one of the things that's holding innovation back in the mortgage space preservation perspective that often surfaces. Well, let me throw a scenario at you real quick here, Terry. One of the things that people don't like about, I mean, one of the things that Encompass does is it provides alert, alerts and stops. Well, so does Open Close and a lot of the other ones bite. But what can happen is that an alert or a stop can be in place. That means that you can't go forward until something's done. And mortgage bankers hate that. They want to be able to work around anything they come across. <laughs> so how do you get in front of the scenario where a top producer – goes to the processor and says, submit that file, and, and the processor goes, it's not ready, it's not ready, I don't have W-2s. And they go, I don't care, throw it to underwriting anyway. Dave deals with this in coaching all the time, and, and, how, and right. he's assessed sure. how disruptive this is to an environment. 
But let's say we're in a technology world where you you don't you haven't checked all the boxes. You can't send it to underwriting. So how do you how right. do you address that kind of conflict and dissonance that's going to occur? Well, that is a great question, and uh, again, at the risk of calling someone's baby ugly, um, the mortgage industry has placed far too much emphasis on the front end of the process, that is the origination side. And I have seen environments, I have, I have sat with a loan underwriter who receives a call from an executive of the company saying, if you don't approve this loan, your job is in danger. Now, that kind of interference is totally inappropriate, and it was rampant during the subprime days. Now, those days have passed, and I think everyone has learned a valuable lesson that you can't be, you can't allow your salespeople to run roughshod over people who are processing and underwriting information. It's just, it's just an inherent conflict. So, you know, we need balance. We need to get more emphasis on the back office, more emphasis on exploring the technology components that can put people in a position where they're actually reducing the amount of time it takes a mortgage by 15 days. I mean, yeah. um, loan, loan processors, I mean, loan originators, imagine what would happen to their revenue or their, their earnings if the average time to close a loan was reduced from what it is today, which is 45 days, down to, let's say, 30. Well, that increases their revenue potential by 33%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they don't think that way. And so using technology to not only you know, create this task-level-driven uh, process uh, is, is important, but the impact of accelerating transaction velocity benefits everybody it does absolutely and and how let's let's i'm i'm looking at the clock we never have enough time for these i mean i brought john thinking well we're going to we're going to be have lots of time to talk about this you talked about communication because when a lot that scenario that andy just outlined that is so prevalent in the industry to some degree or another it's prevalent in every industry there's whether it's spoken or unspoken there's always the pressure from production because you know because the better production the better the company the better the the volume that's going on in the company you watch other companies that die that they're technically perfect they've got all the things in the checks and balances in the right place but they don't get the volume in because there's so much focus on those on the, on the on the other balance, they're, they're skewed too far to the other side. And, and I'm, I would, I've got to come to that. It's just, I'm not sure they're skewed so far to the other side. It's just that the industry leans so much in favor of the production people that anyone trying to stand up, it, it's, there's such headwinds. Everyone's leaning forward at a 45-degree angle to walk in this world of production. So how, how, do we, how does innovation, what is coming, it's, you know, what you have with what you're putting forth, but what are some practical things that you see going on out there and what are you specifically working on? That's where I want to go with the broadcast with the, the few minutes we have left. Where are you specifically going with what you're doing to bring this about? We, you know, we know your message has fallen to some deaf ears because people are just going, I'm going to let, the, I'm going to let production run everything. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. I can't see that changing. And you're saying that doesn't have to be that way. So tell us about what you're actually in motion with and doing. Okay, so last week I think I mentioned that um, the investment world is becoming rapidly aware of the opportunity to fix this infrastructure problem. So we are in uh, active discussions with a number of private equity firms who want to invest the money necessary to build the infrastructure that solves a lot of the problems we've discussed both last week and today. So. I I would be shocked if within the next 18 months there was not a real, live platform operating and available to the industry that is successful in increasing transaction velocity um, and substantially reducing direct labor costs. So um, we have business partners that we're very close to that bring a lot of the answers to this problem, like EMC, which is a New York Stock Exchange company, 
Last week I briefly mentioned Milliman, which has the ability to deliver models that that evaluate uh, the risk of default and the risk of buyback while the loan is being produced. I mean, these are things that it's amazing. Um, are, are, are going to be live in the next 12 to 18 months. And um, I, I think I made the point last week that if lenders stand still, <clears throat> they run the risk of losing market share to those who are not afraid to innovate. Yes. And I'm not talking about innovating unproven software components. I'm talking about innovating with software components that have proved their value in many, many other industries. <clears throat> so that, that, that is specifically what's happening today. And you know, it would take me several hours to go into detail on that, but um, I, I think the world is going to change. I think it's going to change for the better. And yeah. those who you know, are yes. at the forefront of this, I, I think are going to be very, very um, successful. I, I want to underscore one thing. I really I turn to our listeners. For those of you that are listening to this podcast, downloading it or otherwise, and we still have a lot of people listening live, so I'm grateful for our listeners. Listen to this. A Wall Street firm is in process of talking to Terry, and they're bringing capital to, the, a, to a company, or they, if they can't find a company, they'll create a company in order to bring this about. Folks, change is coming. That's why we're doing this series on innovation. Change is coming. Are you going to be on board with it, or are you going to find yourself just trying to react to it and respond to it? If you do the latter, that train is going to leave, and if it's leaving at the, a, a fraction of the cost, I don't know that you're going to get on it. I'm telling you, folks, download this broadcast, share it with the senior executives at your company. If you're not one of the senior executives, senior executives, figure this out. Get a hold of Terry. It is essential that you have a conversation with him. You may be the company that's the candidate that this group of investors may want to invest in. We're not saying anything to that effect. I'm, I'm just saying do not put your head in the sand on this one. Terry, for those that want to get a hold of you, as I look as we're time is up, it just blows me away how fast time goes. How is the best way to get in for everyone to get a hold of I put your contact information on the website. For those of you that want to go to the Lick It On Lending website, it's there. It's one of the slides that are up there. But, Terry, I'd love to have you um, uh, share with our listeners, again, how they can connect with you. Sure. My office phone number is 262-375-8000, and I'm at extension 6640. Or my email address is T Wakefield, W A K E F I E L D at T W C L L C dot com. I'm so grateful to have you on here again. Uh, one of the things we didn't get to is the fact that you did contribute significantly to, or in a way, you played a role behind the scenes working on the uh, United Guarantee, our sponsors turnaround. And it came up when uh, I mentioned that I was going to have a, um, Donna peoples on the broadcast you said oh yeah uh emc and some of my processes were very instrumental in helping that uh, that was that was fascinating you, you've been behind the scenes of so many ini significant initiatives going back to the earliest days of doing um you know the the mbs's i mean with lou ranieri i mean so you, you're you're at the at the beginning at the genesis of everything that's seen or a lot of things in the past that have been significant i encourage our listeners to get a hold of you and reach out to you and so it's really a privilege to have you on again on the broadcast say thank you again for the short notice and responding story about <laughs> your golf your, your golf game i don't believe you were i know how hard you're working i don't think you're probably heading out to play okay, golf. okay let, let, let me close let me close with this so we just had a thunderstorm roll through here uh, we got about an inch and a half of rain, and I am sitting about a half a mile from the largest, one of the largest reservoirs in the world, which is Lake Michigan. Yes, so I, I, I'm sorry you're having water problems, but we don't have any of those. You don't have any of those. Send it south, man. We could use it. We could get the pipeline. Maybe we can. We can. Maybe we can convert that uh, that controversial pipeline to moving instead of oil, moving some water around to here. The country. Right. Exactly. <laughs> It's so good to have you with us, Terry. It's just a really privilege and honor to both Andy and I want to say thanks for being on here. Listeners, we appreciate you tuning into the broadcast. We are out of time. I'm looking at the markets, by the way. If you had MBS quote line, you'd be watching. The markets are now 
falling. We're looking at a negative 10 right now on the markets, uh, 10, 30 seconds. So I'm sure there's going to be some negative repricing. If it isn't going on, check it out. But uh, so good to have you with us. We appreciate you. We're going to be back again next week. We're going to have Donna Peoples with us. And uh, some really interesting stuff that Donna's been involved in. We're very fortunate to have some leaders in the industry being with us, Terry, today and the previous week. And now, again, we have Donna coming on next week. It's good to be with you, listeners, and have a great rest of the week, everybody. See you back here next week. This has been Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lincoln of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Alvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week and thank you for listening.